You're with SAFM, John's my name. Lucky to be along with you today. It's The Viewpoint, Info Sungezo today. Uh, it's uh, into our last topic already. And why is it important for leaders to be on social media? It's changing the political landscape. Who was it? Obama that used it for the first time, really, uh, and used it successfully. Uh, holding government accountable? grow their constituents. I know there's a lot of politicians in South Africa that are very vocal, very popular, very busy on social media, but do they read the replies? That's one question I want to ask our next guest. Lerato Mohatle is a content lead at Africa No Filter. Lerato, good evening to you. Thanks for joining us. Good evening. How are you? I'm fantastic, thank you. Uh, I've got social media... Uh, I don't know what the word is. Social media burnout. There's just a point where there's just so much information thrown at you. Why is it important for us to be following leaders, especially political leaders now? Because Twitter really is the world's soapbox. (laughs) And that is where you go to know what's hot right now in terms of conversation, certainly online, right? Mm. So what what that shows us is that to also gauge what African Africans are discussing in real time. You also have to look at Twitter and see who's influencing conversations, what type of influence they will they, they have on Twitter, mm. and if there's any impact for that influence. That's the important bit, isn't it? Is there an impact on what they're saying? Yes. Because it's all... And rec- I think that... Sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yes, there is. Because the impact, particularly with political leaders... It allows us to gauge what is top of their agenda. It allows us to know what leaders are thinking and what issues they have prioritized. For instance, in the report that Africa No Filter produced on the most influential politicians Mm. on Twitter, we also analyzed common words that appeared in all of their Twitter content in the period of analysis. And we found that they all talked about the impact of COVID. Wow. And this was in May last year. So it's very important to know and gauge what our leaders were talking about. These people make decisions for Africa. Mm. They influence policy. They are really at the helm of whether we succeed or not, right? Okay. Be, with COVID, be, for instance. Before we get into the words used and, and who's popular, um, how, did you, how did you work this out? What, what are you looking for when it comes to a politician's power and, and how they tweet? And uh, what, what was the point of the study? We work with our data analyst, Sam, and for this report, he just went onto Twitter and looked at, the, at all the presidents in Africa to see which of them were online. And out of the ones that are online, which of them are the 10 most influential? And to get to that list, we looked at the number of followers that they have. But we also looked at engagement. We looked at reach. We also analyzed what they were talking about. Okay. Who are the most influential leaders on Twitter on the African continent? The most influential leaders are... In no particular order. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Cyril Ramaphosa of South Africa. In the period that we we analyzed, he had posted his account had posted just over three thousand two hundred tweets. Mm-hmm. So that was an average of six point five tweets a day. Wow. Followed by the deputy president of Kenya, Mr. William Ruto. He 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 tweeted 
just over 1.6 thousand times, right? And again, it shows you who's more engaged on, on, on social media and Twitter in this case. Right. And they, Mr. Ruto was followed by President Uri Museveni of Uganda, Mohamed Buhari of Nigeria, the Prime Minister of Ethiopia, Mr. Ahmed Abi. Then there's the leader of Senegal, the President of Ghana, Mr. Nana Akufo-Odo. We have the President of Tanzania, Madam Samia Suluhu. She posted 300 tweets. Then we have President El Sisi of Egypt, and lastly, President Paul Kagame of Rwanda. It, it's all very well putting out a lot of tweets, and it, when, I, when I look at the phrases Cyril Ramaphosa uses, it's, it's, it's almost like a one-way street. Or do you find that they are communicating with the public as opposed to just broadcasting? Yes and no. They, 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 they do put out content and sometimes there's a response, but you also find that there's a bit of a gap because ultimately I think we, we, we know this without it being boldly stated. There's a high chance that the presidents are not necessarily running their accounts themselves. Yes. So it's not run like a personal account. It's a communication. It's primarily a communication tool for them to reach people, including online. But what, what's, really, what's really interesting for me with politicians and Twitter is that you know how Africa is primarily a, a young audience, a, around 600 million of the population is below the age of 30, I believe. And we did another report called One Africa and we looked at narratives around Africa and regional integration from the perspective of young people. We interviewed young people in non-African countries. And we found that for around 50.2% of them, thereabouts, social media is the primary source of information, wow. the primary source of news. So that is where they go. And I think this is the, both the opportunity and gap for leaders, that there is a demographic that we have all said is the most influential on the continent. Mm. And this demographic is also online, it's also on social media. Not only are they there, it is their primary source of information about Africa. Is that a bit worrying, though, Lerato, when, when you, you hear about fake news, false information, conspiracy theories that are being spread across social media? It, it is worrying, provided there is no deliberate effort to counter fake news. The beauty of, of, of digital media is that it is instant and it, it allows us to really, really start conversations, engage in them. But at the same time, we know what some of the pitfalls are, particularly with information. We know that we have to be cautious of fake news. Therefore, if um, I keep saying if you're a president, I'm sticking into the future. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, <laughs> yes. Therefore, if, if you're a president and a, a very senior political leader mm. and you are worried about misinformation, then it makes sense that you would see the opportunity to use Twitter and other social media as a platform for countering that through credible information that mm. is traced back to um, authoritative sources. We have seen uh, 
politicians, maybe some ex-politicians that are using social media directly opposite of what you're saying. They are spreading fake inf- fake news. They are spreading a propaganda of some sort. We, we're seeing it happen in the States. It's a fantastic example. How do we, as followers of these people, know that what the... You know, we, we need to have the media to control this some way or, or some sort of system to say, well, actually, that's just rubbish. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think on this one, I'm going to, to throw it back onto the platforms themselves, right? Mm, mm. When ten, when did I join Facebook and, and Twitter? But nonetheless, 2008, when I first joined social media, and um, now I'm on a few other, several other platforms, mm-hmm. when we initially, the world got introduced to the concept of Facebook, we were sharing information about you know, we saw it as connecting with our friends, with our yes. family. We saw it as centralizing our social life digitally so that everyone could have access to them without it being a one-on-one relationship that you have to update all the 1,000 people <laughs> that might be in your network, for instance, right? right? But then we also saw very quickly that it became a tool, a tool for change, a tool for organizing, a tool for protest. And so these platforms are also equally responsible, if not more responsible, for ensuring that they have systems in place to ensure that these platforms do not end up being used to spread propaganda, do not end up being used pretty much the way Donald Trump used Twitter before he was banned. Let's talk about the phrases and let's focus on Cyril Ramaphosa. His most used phrase is His Excellency President Cyril Ramaphosa. That to me says that it's not him doing the work because it could easily be I. Yes. Like like I said, chances are that, you know, because these are very, very high ranking politicians, it's their communications teams that are probably running their social media accounts and using that primarily to communicate official business. So it's not surprising that that the most popular, in fact, the most common phrases used uh, for Cyril Ramaphosa are His Excellency President Cyril Ramaphosa, followed by gender-based violence and the mm. people of South Africa, okay. of the African Union. I think what's, what's, then, important, mm-hmm. what's important is when you took this research, and it's 1st of January 2020 to the 7th of May 2021. So this is slap bang in the middle of the pandemic, which is why I imagine there's a lot of pandemic mentions here. Yes. Yes, there's a lot of pandemic talk mentioned and what was particularly encouraging, and this comes from our previous Twitter analysis and the content is on our website. What what was really encouraging is that the nature of, of COVID conversations that were online, that on Twitter and that were coming from African sources, including African leaders, tended mm. to to be more nuanced about the spread of COVID-19, the impact of COVID-19, um, discussions and debates around access to vaccines, vaccine equity, what Africa can do collectively. When you when you look at the way a leader tweets, and, and when I want to go back to His Excellency President Cyril Ramaphosa, as opposed to uh, Abi Ahmed Ali, who said, I would like to the most. Mm. Surely... Cyril Ramaphosa, if he has this communications team, they can just change the wording to say, I 
I think that, or that you know, the presidency thinks this, and make it more personal. It, it is personal. As you said earlier, you joined Facebook to talk to your friends. Mm. So what do you, what should, do you think his team should change that? Yes and no, yes and no. I think it really depends on them. But what what also leads um, to understanding the phrasing is that we we not only looked at what they themselves said, mm-hmm. we also looked at the words that appeared when people were searching for their names. Okay, all right. So so we look at we we look at um, Cyril Ramaphosa, and then we go searching Cyril Ramaphosa and. Mm. So Cyril Ramaphosa and COVID, Cyril Ramaphosa uh, and right. okay. with a keyword, and mm. then these... these. Oh, that's the phone line going out. Our guest, Lorato Mokhoatle, is a content leader at Africa No Filter. It is interesting to see how many followers uh, these leaders have, and it kind of follows what you imagine the technology in the country allows um, with Nigeria's leader, Mohamed Buhari, uh, Mohamedou Buhari uh, leading with 4 million followers. Uh, sorry, uh, Egypt's leader, uh, El Sisi, leading with just short of 5 million followers. Is Lorato back? Uh, Lorato's back on the line. Uh, when, when, it, when you look at followers, I was just saying now, Lorato, you look at followers, you kind of almost see it being with the technology in the country. Egypt in front, Nigeria, uh, then uh, Kenya in there. South Africa president doesn't have as many followers compared to those compatriots, just short of 2 million for the president in South Africa, but 4 million for Nigeria, almost 5 million for Egypt. Does that say something? I think a more more substantial answer for me would be to go back and look at them, at the data, what could possibly influence this. Is it access to to accessible data rates? Mm. Is it access to, is it, is a general interest from the population about engaging with their leaders online when they do find them and follow them there. Okay, uh, we we need to wrap this up. What is the what is the holistic picture that you're finding? And uh, what what about okay before before we go into that, um, what about social media shutdowns in part of the continent and over election periods, critical moments within the pandemic? Uh, have the leaders responded to critique about that from the young people, especially those that use their phones all the time? Not 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 in the information that we came across and we were analysing. There, there hasn't been any of these influential leaders coming back to say we recognize that we shut down the internet and that was something that caused great concern. In Zambia, for instance, after the internet was shut down in the run-up to the elections, the court overturned that. In Uganda, it was the internet was shut down, but I think also the, the court overturned that or, or it was restored after protest some days later. So I think... In fact, what I, I've, 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 I've just come to realize as well is that a lot of the presidents, Africa's 54, con- 54 countries, it's 55 if you include Western Sahara, yeah. but the political, the representation of senior political leadership on the platform, particularly presidents and prime ministers, you wouldn't believe or guess that that is how big the continent is. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with some attitudes towards social social media 
in some countries like Central African Republic, there's very, very low digital penetration and digital access. But at the same time, in some countries like Nigeria, where the president shut down Twitter because he did not agree with something that was tweeted about him. So it also shows mm. you that for some leaders, look, I essentially believe, we believe that Twitter, um, Twitter is a tool that allows us to engage conversations, that conversations around Africa, and actually pay a closer, more nuanced attention to the continent's narrative on, on the social media platform. At the same time, there's a gap, and this gap is for, for leaders, right? There is perhaps a fear of being on Twitter. There's a fear of mm. feeling that perhaps there's a fear of feeling that the population has direct access to you, because of course we're going to ask you tough questions. And the solution if, if I were Mr. Buhari's advisor, would be it is not to shut down Twitter. Mm. Well, it is to start harnessing the value of the platform. Well, you, you can do like some politicians, just ignore those questions. That's that too. <laughs> do, you think, do you think age has a factor here as well? Uh, our, our leaders are quite old and it's difficult for them to almost grasp the concept because it, it's not in there. It's like trying to teach my grandmother how to use a computer. But the difference is that your grandmother is not running a country. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> it's, uh, so, so it's up to them to get to get get with the the cool kids. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, I met my mother. Shame she also struggles. Um, what about politicians that head back at detractors? You know, there, there's some politicians who who use Twitter well, but they they will start a Twitter war. Uh, is, is that something that you found, or is that not what presidents do? It, it was not. It was not with the the leaders that we we are we we are focusing on, and the ones that whose pages we analyzed for the report. And honestly, thank heavens, mm. because these are very very senior leaders, and I you know you can't be a president and being drawn into a poll. Although there's a certain president on this list who is infamous for blocking people, myself included. Oh, yes? <laughs> who, which one? I won't mention names. Come on. Paul Kagame. <laughs> Paul Kagame. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to go follow him on purpose now just to see. Uh, yeah, it's only 105 tweets. You haven't missed anything there from Rwanda. Uh, quickly, let's wrap this up, Lerato. What do we learn from this study um, as far as democracy and participation and this is a fantastic ability to be able to get almost up close and president, uh, up close and personal with our presidents. Yes, we learned that Twitter can really facilitate access to information, to the right information, to information that matters, information that's credible, and that it can be used as a tool for meaningful political engagement, particularly from very, very senior political leaders. We also see that particularly from the that from the phrases that were used, with COVID being the most common of them, we also see that it actually allows, it, it can allow for effective real-time communication on a very, very important issue and a developing story. And then we also realize generally across board that there's a lot of assumptions about Africa. And when we look at the conversations and what is being said about Africa and what people are engaging with, we also get to understand that actually there is more to the continent than just conflict, disease, poverty, mm-hmm. corruption, and poor leadership. And I think there's always value in that, in knowing that Africa, Africans exist and see ourselves beyond the stereotypical framing that has become part of the African narrative.
And you especially see that in the commonly used phrases. Yes. A, very, uh, a good phone call with uh, bilateral and regional issues. Our president, economic reconstruction and recovery, uh, the, uh, the African Union, His Excellency, continental free trade area. Yeah, as you say, it's, it, it's, it sounds like a continent that's thriving. Yes, it sounds like a continent that, that is thriving because Africa is, in fact, thriving. Some of the fastest-growing economies are African. You know, um, in between 1945 and 2019, when the University of Illinois in Chicago analyzed coup mm. it found that only one African country, Sudan, appeared in the top ten, in the top five list of countries that have had the most coups, right? But we normally associate mm, coups mm. with Africa, but we see that, in fact, they are not sure. African. It's just part of the stereotypical framing and narrative. And this cuts across across board. We do extensive research on and literature reviews on, Africa's, on African narratives, on the impact of narrative, but also on perceptions about narrative and what that means to everyday Africans. The first one, like I said, was um, one Africa report that looked at youth perceptions around continental integration. And it's so important and actually um, interesting to see continental free, ta- free trade coming up 18 times when Mr. Ramaphosa posted tweets because regional integration was one of the biggest, biggest focuses of Africa Union last year, and it mm-hmm. will remain so this year. Mm-hmm. Lerato, how do we find out more about this research that you've done? You can follow us on social media. We are at Africa No Filter. You can also check out our website, www.africanofilter.org, and join our community, sign up for our newsletter, because we do a lot of research. We, you know, we have another, we have another big report coming up in the next weeks on business in Africa, we have a cohort of researchers who were analyzing narratives from various sources, including spoken word, including um, how women are portrayed on social media, African women are portrayed mm. on social media. So this body of work mm. that we, we, we produce regularly is because we believe that narrative and understanding narrative has to be data-driven, it, it has to be salient, it has to be fact-based. Lerato and so there's a lot of value in that. Lerato Mokhwadle, thank you very much. Content lead at Africa No Filter. As you heard, www.africanofilter.org.